Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. My Talk 1071, Everything Entertainment, The Adventures of Bradley and Dawn. We are so glad that you're joining us. Today is Friday. Everybody's excited about it. We have food porn coming up this hour. And you will, um, we're going to try something out that's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's different. And um, Bradley won't be jealous that he can't do it. So we'll just put that out there. But I, but I'm still super excited that um, you guys are going to try it. I cannot wait. Okay. All right. So I just finished uh, the podcast Death in Ice Valley, which is a, a BBC podcast about a woman who uh, was found dead in Norway and it is the most fascinating story this mystery woman who is she because most true crime starts with we know who the victim is and we're looking for the the murderer uh but this is different you were, they were searching for who the woman was to begin with and they and never that's even, the real mystery yeah. that's the real mystery so i highly recommend it it's it's uh, bradley told me about it and it's um it's you'll really love it uh, it's just the production. Don't you feel like the storytelling production is true crime is is like uh, it's just everywhere and it's ubiquitous and sometimes it's just like formulaic. But mm. the storytelling with this particular podcast really sucked me in. Oh, my gosh. And they just go to every length to try to. And, and it's it feels so good to have a story where people are going around the world to try to honor this woman and And you learn about like science there's like science and history like they they do all these experiments and things that i was like wow you can really learn all sorts of amazing things with very little information that is so true like what they can get out of dna is so layered and interesting so then i finished that very intellectual podcast and i was looking for another (laughs) true crime podcast on just bbc america you know Apple podcast to see what else they had. And um, I saw this one that said, um, once again, the BBC, the orgasm cult. Uh? And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but I don't want (laughs) to listen to it just because I felt kind of ashamed. And then, (laughs) well, I mean, it's like the word, it's the word shamed you. It was just like, and it kind of goes along with the theme of the, of the podcast. So oh. I was like, I'm not listening to that. Um, and then I tried another crime podcast and I was, I didn't like it. I didn't like the host or whatever. So I was like, I'm just going to listen to the orgasm cult. Cause I do love anything that's about cults. I will say that. Oh, I'm God. like, what oh, is the combination sure. of those two words, orgasm and cult? So I found uh, this podcast. They're like less than 30 minutes each episode, like 15 to 22 minutes or something. And it is the story of this organization that was formed by a woman. And I have a bit of the trailer for the podcast. We should just go ahead and play that, and then I can fill in in the blanks. So I'm just going to break the ice for us, okay? My topic is female orgasm. Nicole Daydon doesn't just like orgasms. She believes in orgasms. She co-founded a wellness company called One Taste, who taught a practice called orgasmic meditation. 
Monte sold expensive courses, making millions of dollars from students in San Francisco, London, New York, Los Angeles, and a bunch of other cities, with orgasmic meditation being touted as the latest self-care practice for the modern woman. I'm Nasran Tavakoli Farr, and this is The Orgasm Cult from BBC Radio 4. I think that it will be turned on women around the world who change the world. It will be turned on women and those who dare to stroke us, who actually <laughs> change the world by feeding this desire for connection that we all have. Thank you. One taste are now being investigated by the FBI accused of forced labor, sex trafficking, and prostitution. I've spoken to people who worked there about the company's sales practices and allegations of abuse, financial, emotional, psychological, and sexual. All right. Are you interested? Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I was I was not, to be fair, like, in the beginning, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I want ladies to, you know, explore themselves and have fun. Um, but I'm like, where's the cult part? And then that second half, I'm like, okay, uh-huh. what? So this woman, Nicole, and I'm sorry, I apologize. I don't remember her last name. Um, but she was doing Ted talks. The, um, or not no, the no, British, no, the, the woman you hear at the beginning and in the middle where she's doing the, the American voice where she's speaking to a crowd. So, um, she started this company called one taste and, it was a wellness center type of a place. She was actually on uh, the Goop podcast at one point. And Is they, this the one? It was that the episode that they did about orgasms? Probably. Where they actually like showed a lady orgasming. Having a, uh-huh. Yes, probably. I'm assuming so because within the podcast, they do like the woman you hear. She goes to one of these centers and has like they perform it for her. Not to her, but she's there in the room and she records the woman and also records what's happening downstairs. Wow. When I say downstairs, I mean what the technician is doing. Yeah. So anyway. Not literally downstairs. mm -hmm. Can you tell us, um, like, what's the culty part? So, like, it's all about female orgasms, but how do you end up with a cult? So, essentially, this woman, Nicole, she started this business, um, and she started these centers. There was a very clear way that she learned this technique called OM, which is orgasm meditation, and she wanted to make a business out of it and she's got this whole grand idea which most most cults do that you know whatever they it is that they're trying to sell you it's going to cure the world okay mm. that's the first place where it's a cult they had yeah. communal living <laughs> or it's um, just like a marketing plan but right yeah. <laughs> right and then she's also extremely charismatic this woman mm-hmm. is very like you heard her. People are laughing. They're having a good time. You're like, oh, wow. You know, because she worked for a big tech company in San Francisco and she left everything to do this. So because she was she disrupting in, the lady orgasm. She believed in it so much. And at first, when you first hear about it, you know, the first three episodes, I'm only on the f- third episode, is that she brings up the fact she brings up the fact that women don't 
really get to experience this as the same way as men do and that we're made to feel like if you talk about things like this that you're dirty and it's shameful mm-hmm. like we don't have the same and also growing up like there is no like oh boys will be boys and all that kind of so stuff so she's she's telling truths but then obviously she's going to do something with the, those truths that is taking advantage of people. It Right, because apparently what happens is that you have to pay a lot for this. And she wants to remove any emotion from having. And basically you go in in a room full of women and there are technicians there that, you know, God. make you have an orgasm. I'll just say it that way. But it's Technicians? Very, that it's, sounds so cold and creepy. Well, it's very much like... You know, this doesn't have to do with love. And if you do this enough, then you feel powerful as a woman and you have released yourself from all of these social constructs that tell you that sex is bad or dirty and you shouldn't. It like slut shaming. There's a lot of that that goes on in this world. And like it's all about how you look and how you please the man. And porn has to do with that. And guys have no clue. What they're well, supposed and all to be of that doing. sounds com- perfectly legitimate. I just don't understand how she then is going to, like, how does that turn into, like, give me all your money? Well, apparently it costs a lot to go to these centers. And oh, okay. it was also um, other things apparently go on that are, like, not cool, abusive, and have yeah, caused people yeah. trauma. But she also was using it a way for women who have never had an orgasm, mm-hmm. who have trauma in their life. So she felt like she was healing people. Yeah, And now they're under investigation for all these things. Uh, also, the podcast itself, this Nicole woman is suing the podcast. Oh, in, ooh, so ooh, have okay. I inter- if I have I intrigued you enough to listen to it? Oh, for sure. I will definitely listen. Um, I felt on... like when I started listening to it, just to like m- make a comment on my own psyche, I actually felt guilty and kind of ashamed. And I thought, I'm not going to tell anyone I'm listening to this orgasm podcast well you obviously overcame that right (laughs) but then i examine like why this is so and then it's like it happens to be that part of that is a part of this podcast and yeah well it's a good thing you didn't turn over your wallet so i'm congrats and it's i'm i i definitely think this um is a podcast i'm curious to hear where it goes so tell us again where we can download this podcast uh, it's just uh, the BBC America. You can. It, I'm. I'm down. I'm listening to it for free. Just Apple Podcasts. And it's called the Orgasm, the Orgasm Cult. Cult. Yes. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, download. And it. gentlemen, you could learn a lot by listening to this. <laughs> I'm just saying, there are things that men need to know. I'm sure certain men anyway. Uh, Hey, when we come back, can I give you an update on Selena? Uh, Because she's been talking lately and I'm actually all here for it. So I'd like to share that with you when we come back right here on my talk. One Oh seven one. Hey, my talkers, Bradley here for my friends at little blind spot and Hunter Douglas with huge savings for 2023. If ever there was a time to visit the little blind spot showroom, that time is here right now. Select Hunter Douglas duet honeycomb shades qualify for a U.S. federal tax credit of 30% off the purchase value up to $1,200. That's right. I said $1,200. Hunter Douglas honeycomb shades are designed to conserve energy at the window in any season. They trap heat inside the honeycomb fabrics during the winter months 
and keep cool air inside your home in summer. It's like they were made for Minnesotans. Hunter Douglas Duet Honeycomb Shades are available in many fabrics, including light filtering, room darkening, and blackout shading options. Visit the Little Blind Spot showroom in downtown Hopkins today for help from the best experts in the business. Or you can visit them online at littleblindspot.com. And don't forget to tell them Bradley sent you. Sing it with me. The Little Blind Spot. We're big on service. Hey, it's My Talk 107.1, Everything Entertainment, The Adventures of Bradley and Dawn. Thank you for being here with us this afternoon. We appreciate it. We're just having a good old time here. It's a Friday. And um, Bradley, you saw Selena Gomez uh, talking about something that she's very honestly talking about her weight and how it's changed and letting people know about it. Exactly. And I'm just all here for it. Like, I'm just in a mood lately where I'm like, thank you, celebrities, for using, you know, we call them out all the time for using their powers for evil, like getting attention and jobs, even though that's their job, whatever. But, you know, just like being obnoxious and drama. But here she is using her powers for good and not evil. And it's taking a part of your own story and sharing it with people, not just for attention's sake, but like to shine a light on the issue. And hopefully that trickles down to you know people in their own lives going oh maybe i shouldn't do that in my own life or maybe there's somebody in my own life who's dealing with the same thing or maybe i'm that person and i'm dealing with it now i don't feel alone because selena gomez shared this part of herself right it's definitely relatable totally relatable what she shared was um i guess people have noticed that she's gained weight or that her body has changed and so she went on tiktok and did a live recently i didn't see the i mean I watched it after the fact. I did not watch it live. But she kind of just went all in to talk about her lupus medication and how it can affect her weight. And it didn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't a tone of like, I have to explain this to you. Okay. So, oh, guys, I gained weight because of my lupus medication. It was really just this, well, here's what she said. And we're not playing part of it because it's got swears and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. She says, when I'm taking it, that is her medication for lupus, I tend to hold a lot of water weight, and that happens very normally. She said, when I'm off it, I tend to lose weight. I just wanted to say and encourage anyone out there who kind of feels a sort of shame for exactly what they're going through, and no one knows the real story. Um, And then Mm. she just kind of offhandedly is like, look, I'm not a model, and that's fine. She says, I'm not a model, never will be. And I think they're awesome, mind you. I'm just definitely not that. And I just wanted to tell you guys, I love you. And thanks for supporting me and understanding. And if not, go away. Cause all these crazy alien stories can't be true. Can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener hosted the unidentified alien podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there. The unidentified alien podcast or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe. Subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Honestly, I don't believe in shaming people for their bodies. And that's like a really super simple thing. But at the same time, it's like, oh, God, we need more of this because it's just I think she in particular has had to deal with a lot of people having opinions about the way her body has changed. And she's dealing with a lot of um, illness that maybe isn't as visible on the outside other than weight gain yes yes it reminds me of christina applegate 
like explaining because there were trolls out there. Remember that oh, saw yeah. her on the red yeah, yeah, carpet yeah. and was like, oh, I don't remember what the person said, but it was really awful. She has MS and she made it through the la- for, through the season of, um, oh, my gosh, dead to me. And it yep. was like we're, we heard the whole story about how she really wanted to finish the sh- shooting. But, you know, she had all of these ailments that sometimes she couldn't stand and they had to prop her up. I mean, it's like you are a soldier. You know what I mean? Like, wow, that is fantastic. And then there was some meanness surrounding her weight gain. And it's just I just feel for these women who feel like they have to. Like, even though she said, I, I'm not like that they have to explain. I don't like it that we're in a world where people have to explain why they're not a size two. <laughs> yeah. No. And I think I think that's why, like, one read of what Selena is doing and the way she presents it, I will say the sort of just like unbothered way that she talks about it. Like, I think. I think I don't want to like generationalize people too much, but I think her generation is much more comfortable just being like, this is the way it is. And I don't really care what you think. Like, I will say, I think people my age generally would be far more defensive about that because we lived in a world truly. And I, I imagine you can speak for yourself as a woman that women, um, there was even less grace for women of our generation dealing with changing bodies. And I, by that, I mean not only externally, but also there were internal pressures, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean... So I just love that she speaks so freely and, like, casually about it. Like, I don't care what you think, but I'm going to tell you for anybody else out there, this, you're not alone and you don't have to be a victim of it. Right. And she also recognizes the, probably the position that she's in to talk about things openly so that people can experience it and hear her and if they're going through something like that because just plainly there's the world that we live in that is reality and as we walk around minneapolis the bodies that we see you know Uh, and it's nothing like what we see on tv or in movies oh yeah because there's an expectation for them to be ultra thin and even like i i am like conscious of the fact that when I see somebody who isn't as have uh, you know small as other people. I think about it and I go, yeah. oh, and I it's actually comes to mind whenever they're just a normal person. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. Could we could talk about, about this, this for hours. Day. I know, but instead, we're going to talk about something weird that Ashton Kutcher starts his morning with, and you guys are going to start the next segment with it when we come back for Food Porn Friday right here yeah. on My Talk 107.1. My Talk 107.1, Everything Entertainment, The Adventures of Bradley and Dawn. Hi. It's Friday. And um, there's been some new news about JonBenet Ramsey. I mean, can you believe that? Yeah. Can I just really quickly, if people were waiting to hear what the fabulous thing we were going to do is, should we just give them an update quick? Oh, sure, sure. Just in case you were waiting, going, aren't you guys going to eat something? Isn't it time for food porn? Well, we had a little kerfuffle, but hopefully, are we going to be able to do it on, uh, in the next segment? Um, if I get a hold of someone in oh, this okay. segment. All yeah. right. Because um, we just need some, should we even tell people we just need some coffee? And there isn't any coffee made. Why is there no coffee? Don't get me started. <laughs> 
Okay. If you, you, what is it? If you kill the Joe, make some Mo. But until we get some new coffee for you guys to try, because we're going to do something fun to it. Um, Dawn had this story about John Benet, and I thought, let's just talk about that until right. the coffee shows up. Right. It's not as fun. But um, <laughs> it's definitely so just, not an I, uplifting so story. I just like want to tell you right away, there hasn't been any new like suspects or any there. It hasn't been solved. I just want to say that yeah. right off the bat, because it's kind of like, ooh, there's some an update. You know, the update is, is there's a book being written and this is about the man, the the investigator who was primarily um involved with the case back in the day. And if you don't know who Jean Benet Ramsey is, in 1997, a six-year-old girl was found murdered in her home in Colorado. And she was a little beauty queen. And so there were pictures of her everywhere. And it's been on every tabloid for 20-plus years. You've probably and seen really just glossy became, photos. Yeah, it became one of those cases that just drew people in from all walks of life. And some people probably would admit that they became a little too obsessed with that story, but, but it was definitely on, you know, God, everyone's lips for years. Right. I definitely. And in the beginning of the case, whenever they were first investigating since, um, the girl disappeared in the night, but then she was later found in the home in their basement there was a lot of suspicion from the police looking at, at the parents, either one of them. Yeah. That it was most likely one of the parents, which is a terrible, and harsh since thing then, to say. One of the parents has, at least one of the parents has died, right? That's right. The mother died of ovarian cancer. Yes. So, um, so this is John and Patsy Ramsey. So they had some DNA material found like under her fingernails and in her clothes that wasn't a match for her, you know, and so it was somebody else. So in the case for two months, they investigated the parents. And in that time to me, if you've ever watched Dateline or anything, if police focus just in one area, then the real it's every day, every moment that goes by, the real murderer is further away, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. why there's the show 48 hours. Like yeah, you need to solve the first it 48, 48 hours. hours are the most important. If you don't find the suspect, then you're likely not going to. Right. It's the harsh truth. So for two months, the Boulder police department did not refocus their investigation. They knew right away that the DNA did not match either of the parents. And what's coming out in this book, that's called a legend. It's called Lou Smith. Lou and Jean Benet, a legendary lawman's quest to solve a child beauty queen's murder. It's a big title, but so it's a book about the lead investigator. It's a book about the the lead investigator and what he researched and his work, um, and just things about the case that you might not have known, like this one big fact that they knew right away that the parents did not their DNA did not match. For what was found. Why would they and not tell they the parents then? they kept it a secret from the public and the parents. What What's the motivation for months. keeping it from the parents? Because they wanted to, they were convinced because some psychologists told them that they felt like that's probably who did it. And so they wanted, they were just digging at that and they wanted them to be vulnerable. So they were vulnerable to speculation from 
outsiders, like normal sleuths that are just, we would call internet sleuths now, like normal people trying to find out the truth and journalists. So they were just hounded in the press and sort of tortured by this thing, trying to like, they want to know what happened to their daughter, but at the same time defending themselves. And I know since then there've been like somebody claimed to be the murderer. I don't know how long ago that was, but it ended up being false. And then there was suspicion about the brother, her brother who lived in the house as well. It sounds like then the reason they kept it from them is because they thought regardless of the fact that it was somebody else's DNA, they thought perhaps the parents were still connected in some way, and so they didn't want to reveal that to them. That's right. So they he basically reveals this in this book, and, and he's not happy about it. You know, they failed to share with the prosecutors for months afterward, the prosecutors even, and um, they should have been ruled out. It would have, it would have just opened up their ability to research other people and redirect the case. So there were just a couple of people, the t- detective who received the DNA results, he just didn't share it. And it's mm-hmm. just like you want to put him on. Well, he's passed, so you can't put him on trial. But there it, there seems to be a lot of times in these cases like misconduct and you don't see any resolution or anybody having to take the blame or or be responsible for it. And it's really frustrating. We saw this in making a murderer, you know, just things that are like, "Mm, that's not so great. Well, one of the enduring, the enduring mm, results of this case is not just the tragedy, right? That first and foremost, I imagine for the person involved, John Benet Ramsey and her family, that's the most important lasting outcome is that she was brutally murdered. However, Another, and I think this is indicative of a lot of the true crime stories that we're fascinated by, aspect that endures is complete and utter, um, what's the word I'm looking for, incompetence on the part of, you know, either police or investigators. And I think that those two things always go hand in hand with a true crime story that grabs people's attention. You've got some sort of terrible tragedy, which sadly... There are too many tragedies in the world, but like what sets certain tragedies apart, I think is that, you know, in in a lot of tragedies cases, it's very easy to figure out who did the horrible thing. And that is not going to fascinate an audience. So it, it, this feels very like creepy because I'm mm-hmm. talking about like what is enter- not entertaining about true crime, but what's the thing that actually turns a story into something that becomes a, a subject of true crime whether it's a podcast a movie a book just public attention and it always seems that there is some at the root of it some huge incompetence on the part of somebody whether it's the people who committed the crime or the people investigating the crime and that leads to these lasting questions that in some ways probably can never truly be solved like are they ever going to have a result in this case like what barring somebody showing up and going i know what happened you know, right. you're not really probably going to have a satisfactory answer, which means this story will just continue to fascinate people for years. And I've heard so many theories about it over the years and watched documentaries and, you know, uh, you know, pretty damning evidence against the brother. And I don't even remember what I know about it or think about it anymore. There's yeah. been so much out there. 
So the Boulder Police Department, uh, the public information officer, her name is Diane Waugh, about this that has just come out in this book, uh, said in a statement, we recognize that many articles and books have been written about this tragic homicide. We have not read the newest book, which apparently contains allegations from the late 90s. At present, this active investigation continues to receive assistance from federal, state, and local partners, uh, multiple agencies that the police are working with, the FBI, District Attorney's Office, and several private DNA labs across the country. So just saying, listen, we're still working on this. We haven't read the book, is what they're answering. So So, just to to reiterate for the audience, if they're like, oh, I want to read this book... What's the name of the book again, and who actually wrote the book? Right. So the book is called, uh, the the author is John W. Anderson, and it's called Lou and Jean Benet, A Legendary Lawman's Quest to Solve a Child Beauty Queen's Murder. So, but it, so it wasn't written by Lou, because Lou's passed away. He was Lou like the is lead the in- subject, right. Lou Got is it. the subject of the book, and his, you know how he investigated the case. So whether or not Lou himself was the one who held back the DNA evidence, I don't know. I don't know if Lou is a hero in the story. I haven't read it either, but it's come out in this book that, you know, there was an umbrella of suspicion for years. Investigators said um, that the parents have been under and, I think that they're just saying this should have never happened. That the parents well, it was were like the parents, so and then the brother, mm-hmm. and then I mean, there's so many like avenues and people. Gosh, I I I I look forward to a podcast series or Netflix documentary about the mania around this brutal right. murder because I I do think it's important to like point out like. There are reasons we we highlight certain murders, right? And that tells us something about ourselves. So, you know, there are, I'm sure have been brutal murders of other children that have never been reported on and have still gone unsolved. And so I do look forward to, like, what is it about this case that that struck people's right. nerves in such a way that we're still talking about it 30-some years later? Exactly. And I remember at the time and afterward a lot of parents who had children who had disappeared or been murdered who were African-American saying our daughter was, you know, the, the case never, we were just, we don't know anything. And they looked into it for three months and then just left it alone. And here on this platform, you have this white blonde, cute girl. And so all the attention goes there. So it's really disgusting when you think about it. Because there's so many. But I think there's a lesson in there for us to learn. So, like, looking at it is not a bad thing. Meaning, like, trying to understand what it is that made people so focused on this versus all of the other ones you just mentioned that never got, you know, and then hopefully that's an opportunity to highlight those as well. Yeah. And and not to, you know, it's Friday and everything, but if you, uh, when I heard that, I just found a resource. I'll have to find it again. There is like a National Missing Persons website and i think that we should all just take a look at it from time to time and just recognize like that there are all these people that are missing and children that are missing out there that aren't necessarily they don't look like jean benet ramsey not to say that her death isn't important and we should investigate you're absolutely right it's putting it in context Mm -hmm. okay so we have to do kind of a hard turn now because we're going to go back and talk about food 
Um, so do we have the things we need? Yes. yes. We do. Fabulous. So when we come back, I'll tell you what I told you at the beginning of the or the end of the previous segment. Ashton Kutcher put something weird in his OJ. Or oops, oh. Not in his OJ. Well, just say that. It's fine. Okay, we'll be right back. Bye. (laughs) It's Don McLean for Libya Weight Control Centers. It's Friday. Do you feel like celebrating because the week is over? Yes. What does that include? Does that include eating bad all weekend? When I say bad, I mean, you know, stuff that you know isn't good for you. A lot of people um, overeat for many different reasons, and Livia Weight Control Centers helps you figure that out. I experienced uh, the program, and I lost almost 30 pounds on the program, and it was great for me because... I just learned so much about how I wasn't eating enough, actually, in order to lose weight and so many other things. So give them a call. I love the program. You're going to get 50% off your personalized program. When you mention me, Don McLean, give them a call, 855-GO-LIVIA or visit Livia.com. And you're going to get 50% off when you mention me. It's that simple. They were voted Minnesota's best weight loss program, and I totally agree. So check it out today, Livia.com. They say in life,